0: Tonight, Amen. Would you do this? Would you lift your Bible up in the air? Lift your Bible up in the air. Say, this is my Bible. Say, it is the sword of the Spirit. This is a deadly weapon against the kingdom of darkness. Heavenly Father, tonight, let this go into my heart. Let it flow out of my mouth. God, you said to Joshua to meditate on this book day and night and not let it depart from his mouth. Then he would make his way prosperous, and then he would have good success. I thank you that tonight, this word sets me apart. This word makes me a deadly weapon for the kingdom of God, against the powers of darkness. And tonight I declare, I am a warrior for Christ. Amen. Now give someone a a Bible high five. Come on, give someone a Bible high five. If they don't have a Bible, give them a Bible thump. That's a church full of Bible thumpers. Amen. Put your hands together for the musicians. Didn't they do a great job? You guys are awesome. Amen. All right, well, I want you to come with me in your Bible. Oh, where's a good place to start? It's all good. It is all good. Tonight we're going to be, uh, Let's. well, we may as well start there. Let's start in Matthew again. Just for the uh, the sound guys, Matthew sixteen. Matthew sixteen. We're talking about the church tonight. I love the church. Jesus loves the church. Did you know that? Jesus loves the church. Church is his bride. Gotta be careful. So many people kind of say negative things about the church, you know. I was preaching this morning how, you know, some people say, Well, you know, the church is full of hypocrites. And, you know, and the truth is it's it's well say it's pretty full of hypocrites. I'm gonna say it's completely full. It's not jam-packed full. just whenever someone says that, just say, you know what? That may be true, but we'll, we'll squeeze you in. We'll make room for one more. There's always room for one more. We will, we will, will determine determined to put an extra seat out for you. The church is full of hypocrites. And some people say, well, you know, I love Jesus, but, you know, not his church. You can't really go through life like that. You can't go through life. If I said, hey, John, you know, man, why don't you guys come around for dinner? Well, actually... You come around for dinner. Becky, hello. And, uh, and uh, you know he's going to be like, well, what's wrong with my wife? Well, you know, we love you, John, but your wife, hello. And uh, he's going he's to be offended. You know How's he going to explain that to her? The, the church is Jesus' bride. And the reason there are imperfections is because we're in it. Maybe if, if we weren't there, she'd be perfect. But, she, but you know, but he's perfecting us. And what's awesome about Jesus is he loves us with all of our faults. He loves his bride to be with all of her faults, with all of her wrinkles, with all of her blemishes. And the Bible says that he washes us with the the water of the word, that he uses the word. It's interesting, the Bible says that he washes us with the water of the word in Ephesians 5. It doesn't say that he corrects us with the water of the word, even though part of the washing is correcting. You've got to be very, very careful. One thing you'll never see in leadership in this church is the, the chauvinistic, misogynist husband who uses the word as a harsh correcting tool over his, over his wife. I've seen it so many times in ministry. hate it. Ugly spirit. Horrible spirit. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, laying down his life for her, washing her through the water of the word. The Word of God should never be used as, as, a, as a smacking tool or as a cutting tool when it comes to your spouse. It should always be used as a bathing tool. It's not in my notes. I don't know who this is for. Please listen so I can move on and get back to my notes. This is for somebody. You washer in the Word of God. You speak the Word of God into her. You use it. Listen, the Bible Bible says the Word of God is a two-edged sword. Don't cut her with it. Cut things away from her. Cut the ropes and the snares and the insecurities and all of the things of the enemy. Use it to protect her, to fight for her. The Word of God. Use it use it wisely. Use it wisely. Use it to wash, to encourage, to sweetheart, I found a scripture, and this reminds me of you. This is speak the word of God into her, and you'll find great things come out. Amen? Awesome. So the church, we love the church. Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus had asked a question, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? They say, well, some say you're Elijah, some. Jeremiah, you know, Isaiah, one of the prophets, he says, well, who do you say? And and Peter says, you're the Christ. And I was sharing this morning and even last week how, uh, you know, we kind of live with with a certain context, with a certain reference point. Because they'd never seen a Messiah, they they couldn't understand, they couldn't comprehend a Messiah in front of them, that they'd experienced prophets. And so because of their past experience of prophets, they just assumed that Jesus was a prophet. But can I tell you that God is wanting to to always bring us into something new. In Isaiah, I think it's 43, God says, Behold, I do a new thing, says the Lord. Uh, it it shall spring forth shall you not know God God is always doing something new God wants to take you from everything that you've known and he wants to take you into the unknown if you'll let him if you trust him he he took he took me from dysfunction from you know broken and he took me into a place where he says you can have function you can have wholesomeness you can have health you can have healing you can have success you you can have a blessed marriage you can have a marriage where you don't tolerate each other for the sake of the kids but you sell Celebrate one another as an example for the kids. That you love one another. That that you can actually, you know, grow more and more in love. That you can actually, after 22 years of marriage, think that she's more drop-dead gorgeous than when you met her 24 years ago in church. And, you know, you thought, my God, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. You can, 22 years later, still believe that she is just getting better and better. And life is just an adventure with her. I'm telling you, you. But you've got to be willing to leave the the known and step into the unknown. It's a hard thing. i found that every time on my journey with God, God says, "I want you to go to Bible college." Well, there's this one that's here. God says, "No, I want you to go to this one up here. I don't know anybody up there exactly. Can you trust me with the unknown? Can you trust me that the, the tithe is is like that? Oh my gosh, I've, I've I've always just lived, you know, kind of out of my my budget. I've never I've never given away to God ten percent. And tru- God says, "Will you trust me with the unknown? Will you step out into the unknown? Will you will you step out? You know, well, I'm in a boat with eleven other disciples, but you're telling me to come. I I, I don't know." Like my physics teacher says, it's impossible what I'm about to do. But you'll find that if God, if you trust God with the unknown, you, you'll experience what you've never experienced before. And so whether you realize or not, we are all on a journey, and the journey is what the church is all about. And so, so Jesus is called out by Peter. Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, man, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God himself has revealed that to you. Now that you see who I am, do you see you? Now that you're looking at me, now that you recognize that I'm the Christ, now that you're looking directly at me, do you see who you are, Peter? Do you see now in a mirror? Do you see the reflection? You're not Simon. You're not Reed, easily bending, easily shaken by the wind, by the current. Do you see who you are? You're not, you're not Simon. You're Peter. You're Peter. You're a rock. The river has to flow around you. You're a rock. You're solid. You're immovable. As soon as Peter calls Jesus out, Jesus begins to call Peter out. His name is Simon. He was, he was you know, I said this morning he was baptized, Simon, but whatever. He was, uh, you know, he was christened, whatever. He, he was, but mitzvahed, whatever. Whatever they did. Simon. But Jesus calls out of reed rock. Jesus calls out of Simon, Peter. He calls out of Saul, the persecutor of the church, Paul, the great architect and builder of the New Testament church. He, he, he calls out of Jacob, Israel, the nation. He, God, God is constantly calling. He calls out of Abram, Abraham, the father of our faith, the father of many. He calls out of the dry ground, beasts. He calls out of the ocean, fish. He calls out of the sky, birds. God, God everything that God does, he calls out. If you, if you ever want evidence, if you ever want 100% proof that God is real, it's very, very simple. Just stick around. In fact, do a little more than stick around. Actually plant yourself in the house of God. Because if you read in Genesis 1, God has predictable patterns. What I love about God is God has God has done this. The, 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 the Bible is literally God just rolling himself in, into the pages so that you have an imprint of God. This is, this is an imprint of God. There, 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 are, there are patterns that you can actually know how God operates and how God thinks. So in Genesis 1, the Bible says, God said... Uh, you know let there be light God called out of the darkness light and light came and then God said let dry land appear and dried land stood up out of the out of the waters and then God said let the dry ground bring forth herbs and bring forth fruit whose seed is within itself and and it was so and then God called out to the ocean and said let it bring forth teeming with living creatures and the ocean was filled with living creatures and then God said let the sky bring forth and the sky brought forth and then and then God said again then God said let the, the ground produce cattle and beasts and creeping thing on the earth everything that God does he calls out God calls out God calls out so when he comes to build the church why do we scratch our heads I wonder why he came up with a church the word church comes from two words well one word ecclesia which is two words put together ek which means uh, uh, to call and um, uh, kaleo which means sorry out ek is out and Leo which means to call, called out. We are the called out ones. That's what Ecclesia is. The church is the called out ones. And, and we're not just called out to be saved, but we're called out and he's constantly calling out. He is constantly calling you out. He is constantly calling out of you everything that he's put in you before time began. But you will find the devil do whatever he can to keep you from the house of God, to keep you from church. You know why? Because the devil knows in here there's an anointing. There's a spirit. There's a power that begins to call out. Just as you kind of walk into the house of God, there's a Bum What's going on in here? Whoa! Whoa! What is it? I just feel like I ought to do something for God. And and there's this, but but the devil knows if if he can keep you out of the house of God, he can keep you away from that environment. So those gifts and those talents and those skill sets and those abilities and that calling and that anointing that God placed down on the inside of you to use in expression to build His kingdom, not just to make money. Absolutely, make money. Absolutely, have marketplace success. But even more, the market place success, building something that is temporal today and in a hundred years time is just dust in your hand. Instead, building something that lasts for eternity, that, that builds the kingdom, that has its eternal significance. So you use all your skin. the devil knows if he can just keep you away from the house of God, those things never get called out. Those things never get realized. There are so many people outside the walls of this church who have gifts and talents and skill sets and abilities on the inside of them that are unrealized, that have never been fully developed because they don't get planted in the house of God, but you're the smartest people in San Diego because you're here on a Sunday night at 5 p.m. service because you know that there's an anointing that is calling out. God is calling out. God never stops calling out. Philippians 1.6 says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. He is constantly calling out. I said he's constantly calling out. He's constantly calling out. He calls us out of darkness into light. Calls us out of bondage into freedom. Calls us out of sin into liberty. He calls us out of hopeless into hope. He calls us out of dysfunction into function. He calls us out of brokenness and despair into strength and vitality. Constantly. He's calling you out. He's calling you out into purpose. He's calling you out into success. He's calling you out into strength. He's calling you out into influence. Can somebody say amen? God is constantly calling you out. He's calling you out. You'll find that as you come into the house of God, God begins to call out. And so, so here Jesus says, I will build my church, my ecclesia, the called out ones who are constantly being called out. Everything God does, he calls out, he calls it out, he calls it out. He comes to, to Adam and says, be fruitful and multiply, exercise dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the every, every living thing, and fill the earth and subdue it. And Adam's like, whoa, hang on, how do I do that? I'm just by myself. And God says, exactly, you're right. Everything that you need, I've already placed on the inside of you. I just need to bring it out. And so he puts him to sleep and he brings out of it, I'm telling you, everything that you need, as you get planted in the house of God, even as you rest in God, as you sleep in God, as you rest in God, God brings it all out of you. you you'll be surprised The stuff. Do you really think Adam looked at that rib and thought, that's a hot little chicky babe right there. Damn, it was just a rib. He said, Adam, what's that? It's a rib. That's more than a rib, Adam. Whoa, it's just a rib. What's wrong with you? you got problems, man. But God puts him asleep and, Adam, look what I made. Hubba, bubba, ding, ding. Check the legs out on this little thing. I mean, it was unbelievable. I'm telling you, what God will bring out of you will surprise you. It will freak you out. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Good plans, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. What He's got for you is beyond your recognition. It's beyond your comprehension. He's got awesome things for you. Watch what He brings out of your life. And so, uh, you know, I want to come to what's a good passage of Scripture to come to? Let's have a look. Uh, let's go to let's go to Gideon. I just like the story of Gideon, Judges chapter six. Is this again? We're going to bounce around a little, a little quickly, and then I'm going to. All right, I've got three minutes, and then I'm going to start to prophesy. Why am I? In? Joshua all right Judges Judges chapter 6 verse 11 Judges chapter 6 verse 11 now the angel of the Lord came and sat out on the of the tree which was in Ophrah which belonged to Joash the Abizzi right while well, his son Gideon threshed wheat in a winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him the Lord is with you you mighty man of valor Now i was preaching on this this morning that God is calling Gideon out of the winepress he's calling him out of a limited place he's calling him out he's calling him out of a confined space he's calling him out of a place of diminished vision but more than that the winepress the purpose of a winepress is to produce wine he's not producing wine he's trying to thresh wheat he's 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 in a wine press threshing he's not in a wine press squashing he's in a wine press threshing because he's been so beat down in life that that he he he's abusing the the normal function of this thing so that he's living in dysfunction. And you'll find that when you lose often enough, when you're defeated often enough, when your hope is shattered often enough, you begin to reduce your life where you settle for dysfunction. Dysfunction is normal. And so for him, he's living in dysfunction. He's living far below his destiny because he's threshing wheat in a winepress, hiding from the Midianites when his name Gideon means warrior, means one who sh- 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 cuts in pieces. His name means warrior. His, his name means one who cuts in pieces. There's a There's a valour. There's a gladiator. There's a warrior. There's a strength on the inside of this man. There's strength in you. I see it in your eyes. And if you just lead them, they'd follow you. And I would too. Sir Robert that Bruce. I'm telling you, there was a strength there. But it's so lost. It's so given up on the strength. But the angel of the Lord comes to him. Says, Gideon, you mighty man of valour. Kidding, it's like are you kidding, right? You using sarcasm? Oh yeah, very funny God, mighty man, yeah. Because he's threshing weed in a wine press, but God doesn't use sarcasm. God sees beyond your performance. He sees beyond your failures, he sees beyond your fears, he even sees beyond your dysfunction. And he begins to call out of you strength. He begins to call out of you strength. Now, it's interesting because the angel of the Lord could have come and picked him up and says, Gideon, what are you doing in that wine press? You know, let's get rid of that thing here. I'm going to set you up over here on an estate and, and I'm going to give you an army. And, but, but the problem is that if you would have taken Gideon from that place and put him in an army, he would have reduced everything back to a wine press mentality. You can't take somebody out of dysfunction and then put them in and and think that if I change their environment, I change them. No, 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 no. It doesn't work. Where's the evidence in the Bible? Glad you asked. God delivered the children of Israel in one night from Egypt. From Egypt to the promised land was a 14-day journey. Yet it took them 40 years. Why did it take them 40 years? Because it was much easier for God to get Israel out of Egypt than it was for God to get Egypt out of Israel. The whole journey through the wilderness. I mean, honestly, if you would would have sat with God and kind of done a little debrief with God, hey, God, whoa, way to go with those plagues, man. Whoa, very impressive. Power, whoa, skill. And uh, yeah, just a little, just a little, just kind of a little, not, you know, not want to be too critical, just a little critique. Uh, you took them out of Egypt, powerful, split the Red Sea, an awesome, woo, through and then drown. the way to go, pretty awesome. Uh, but anyway, I'm not sure if you really thought the journey through. Like, I know they were in Egypt, and then you had the promised land. Did you not know, think about the desert in between? Like, the dry desert where there's no water, and there's no food, and it's like really hot during the day, really cold at night. Did you? Know, you probably just, you probably got excited because, you know, you're God. You, you know, you're proclaiming, I proclaim, I'm going to take you. Yeah, And that's awesome. We love that. But you're so positive. You're so optimistic. You always see the bright side. But there was a little detail here called the, the wilderness experience. And, yeah, you know, I, I I don't want to be critical, but there was over 650,000 people that died on the way. Like, did you really think it through? And uh, can I just tell you, God actually did think it through. It wasn't God's, like God's like, oh man, you're right. <laughs> I was just excited. I was just, you know. I, no, no, God, 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 knew what He was doing. God knew what He was doing. God, God knew. Listen, listen. This, this, I'm going somewhere. I hope. <laughs> God was, God was calling them out, because we're the called out ones. He was calling them out. He was calling them out of Egypt, and bringing them into the Promised Land. The problem was that in Egypt, they were slaves. In Egypt, they had a slave. They had 400 years, 10 generations of slavery. God couldn't just take them out and then supernaturally transfer them into the promised land because what would have happened is they would have taken their slave mentality. They would have taken their domination, being dominated mentality. They would have taken their victim mentality into the promised land. In fact, if you actually read the story in Numbers, when Moses sends the spies out, 10 out of the 12 come back and say, Surely it is, as God said, a good land, a large land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Surely everything God said is true, except it is a land that devours its inhabitants. The people are numerous. The cities are fortified. There are giants in the land. Moreover, we just saw the descendants of Anak. We'll let grasshoppers in there, so we'll like grasshoppers in there, so we can't take it. They still had a victim mentality. The Bible says that, listen, it's it's awesome. They're singing the song of Moses and they're singing the song of Miriam. When God opens the Red Sea, they go through and then the Egyptian army comes in behind. They're all screaming. They're all carrying on. Will you stop screaming? Finally, thank you, and then Moses and then all drowns all the Egyptian army, and then they're like, oh, oh, okay, why were we complaining? Let's sing. So they're singing, God is awesome. The horse and the rider, he has overthrown. He's killed the Egyptian. Oh, all Pharaohs, and they're all singing. And they're all singing, and they're singing, Yeah, God is awesome. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above his wisdom. Our, our, our God is an awesome God. And, and then they come, the Bible says, they come to the to the waters of Mara. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome... Ah, yuck. We can't drink this water. The water's bad. Where is God? We want to go back to Egypt. Why are And they start complaining. They go from singing to whining. So Moses has to, you know, kind of see a cross and he throws the cross in there, the stick in there and the tree. And, you know, and the waters get, and, you know, and there are 70, 70 palm trees and 12 wells. And there just happens to be 12 tribes of Israel and 70 elders, a palm tree for every elder. And, and uh, you know, 12 wells, you know, one for each tribe. And, you know, you can't see God's provision. But it was, but it, it wasn't, it was, it was their mentality. God was taking them through a wilderness journey. God was taking them through a desert because he was trying to undo them. and He was trying to get them to see that you don't need flowing rivers and you don't need green grass and fresh livestock. If you have a Jehovah, if you have a provider, don't because it's so easy for us to to say as long as i've got provision i'm ha- as long as i've got my job as long as i've got my salary whew, i don't have to trust god but i am telling you i am telling you if you have a if you have a job and a salary but don't have lose your provider you ain't got you you are on sh- it's it's a very nervous place to live but if you've got a provider jobs can come and go as long as you got jehovah jireh the lord your provider sweetheart you will never lack you will never you're, you have a God who is for you. Hang on. Sometimes your provision will change as long as you've got a provider. And God was trying to teach him, He was trying to get a victim mentality out of them and develop a conquering mentality on the inside of them. God can't just take you out of the winepress. The way that he gets you out of the wine press is he begins to call forth strength. He begins to call forth the general on the inside of you, Charles Fuller. He begins to call forth greatness. He begins to call forth strength. And all of a sudden you think of Mike. God, what am I doing in this tiny little wine press? I, I'm bigger than this. God has got something larger for me. And the wine press ceases to be a place that you are comfortable with. You're thinking, why am I limiting my life? Why am I limiting what God wants to do? God gets you out of your wine press. He gets you out of your dysfunction by calling forth strength, by calling forth greatness, by calling forth valor. The Bible says in uh, Daniel eleven thirty-two. Part B, Daniel 11, 32b, it says this. It says, those who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. God knows that as you get to know Him, you'll be strong. You'll start carrying out great exploits. And all of a sudden, you realize, my God is bigger. Why am, I, why am I settling for this? The way that God brings you out is He brings out your strength. He brings out your strength. You know, a little, a little caterpillar goes into a cocoon. Zoe, in her um, preschool at the moment, they're, they're studying the transformation of a, of a caterpillar to a butterfly. But the caterpillar goes into a cocoon, but but the wings sprout and then all of a sudden the cocoon is kind of this place is too small. I can't live in here. And then pff, the cocoon splits and it flies out, becomes a butterfly. That's what God does with you. The devil loves to try and cocoon you. But God knows it's in the cocoon that God brings you forth. It's in the cocoon that God brings you forth. Now, my my point three that I didn't get to today is God does everything in what I call the secret place or the undercover place or a place of faithfulness. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 that Moses led the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, to the back of the desert when he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And it was there that a bush catches on fire, and God calls Moses out. God calls Moses out. He calls him out of dysfunction. He calls him out of being a fugitive. He calls him out of being a runaway from Egypt. He calls him out of somebody who's fleeing from his past. He calls him out of mediocrity. He calls him out of just settling. Some people would look at Moses and say, What has Moses got to say? How could God even use Moses? Look at the guy. The guy's eight. He doesn't even have any sheep of his own. He's looking after his father in law's sheep. The guy's a failure. 40 years ago, he murdered someone. He's been running in the desert. You know, he just kind of settled. You know, he married Jethro, the pastor. He married the pastor's daughter. And now he's just kind of just a little sheep herder. God, I think you got the wrong guy. He's not your deliverer. But God sees beyond his occupation. I said, God sees beyond his occupation. God sees beyond his occupation. God sees beyond his transgression. He murdered a guy 40 years. God sees beyond even that. God sees beyond his fling. God sees beyond his fear. God sees beyond his insecurity. God sees beyond his failure. And God calls him Moses. Moses. Why does God call him? Because God is Ecclesia. God says, I will build my church. I will build my Ecclesia. I'm always calling out. I never stop calling out. And I call out of this man. See, see Moses' mother, she carried him for nine months. It took her nine months to, to bring forth little Moses. But it took God 80 years to bring forth the warrior to bring forth the deliverer to bring forth the leader out of Moses I am telling you this God is a god of process God is a god of process Moses was processed in the womb it's called a secret place God that's where God processes everything the the, the the caterpillar goes into a secret place it's a cocoon and then God brings forth the butterfly out of the cocoon you have to find your secret place what is your secret place I'm so glad you asked it's called serving when you serve in the house when you lay down your life when you come into the house of God you'll have a vision you'll have a dream you'll have a gifting you'll have a calling if not hang around and the Holy Spirit will impregnate something it'll call something forth but then just because you've got a vision just because you've got a dream doesn't mean you should go after it straight away why why not because if, if you if you make the dream happen then my friend you've got to sustain it with your hand but I'm telling you if you will lay your dream down if you will lay your life down and let God resurrect that thing ain't nobody can kill it because what God brings forth God sustains what you bring forth you got to sustain Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it falls to the ground and dies, it'll bring forth much fruit. But you know, we, we have the seed. And we're, what kind of a seed are we? <laughs> Hello, what kind of a seed are you? Oh, an apple seed. Okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. Me? I'm an avocado seed. Oh, yeah, from me they make guacamole. Restaurants all through Mexico use me. Me and a little salsa together. Hello. We spice up the party. Oh, yeah. They have whole vineyards that come out of me. I'm an incredible seed. I mean, I don't mean to compare, but look at me, the size of me, compared to you, little apple seed. <laughs> But I'm telling you, that seed with all of its potential and guacamole skill sets on the inside, will remain a single seed unless it is willing to fall to the ground. And even if it just falls to the ground, and just says, Hey, 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 whoa, 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 what are you doing? Hey, don't handle me. Hey, hands off the seed. You've actually got to let somebody dig a hole and drop you in it. Hey, what, what, what are you doing? You actually now got to let, hey, don't throw, don't cover me up. No one will see my awesomeness. Why are you covering me? What what do you mean I have to serve in another man's field? Hang on, I'm an awesome seed. The only way the seed can produce fruit is it has to lose its current nature. It has to cease being a seed. It has to lose its nature. It has to lose its identity. There was a season we were in New Zealand. I I was starting to preach a little bit in Australia. Then God sends me to New Zealand. And I realized when I'm in in New Zealand, my job no longer is, is so much the preaching, but is to elevate, lift the hands of my senior pastor and help him. It's his time. It's his. And I just had to lose myself in anonymity. I had to lose myself in obscurity. I had to lose. My, I had to bury myself in the ground. This was all about him. But as I buried myself, something happened because the seed pff, begins to sprout. It it loses its. It it goes from a seed to a plant. But it only happens. To only buried seeds grow see when, when when you submit yourself the Bible says whoever humbles himself will be exalted whoever exalts himself will be abased and so when you when you when you plant yourself when you sow yourself when you begin to serve when you find your secret place you will find that that all of a sudden what God has set in motion is the process of germination it's the process where God brings forth new life I'm telling you as you begin to serve as you begin to lay your life down you'll find that God begins begins to to call things forth out of your life.